I'm going to be talking about freedom and uh, really trying to continue along in the vein of just um, we've been talking about um, being aware of what the Holy Spirit's doing and following him into that. And so uh, I'm going to be talking about what true freedom is this morning. Um, And lately, whenever I speak, I just try to give a list of people that I've been listening to because I'm sure I'm copying some of them or plagiarizing. And I'm sorry, it's not intentional. I just don't know who I hear everything from. So lately, I've been listening to Chris Green, Kenneth Tanner, Henri Nouwen, and a podcast called Homily Prep. It's pretty good. So if you hear them say something, yes, I copied them, okay? Um, I also should probably uh, give some credit for this sermon to... uh, Jordan and Andrea, because they gave me, years ago, my first record player. And uh, I recently upgraded my record player, but it lasted for many years, and I bought many vinyls with it. And, um, and they gave me my first record player for Christmas, I don't know how many years ago that was, honestly. I think we lived, we lived in uh, Fate, so 11, 12 years ago. And so, along with it, they gave me a record which, if you know Jordan well, you won't be surprised to know was Bob Dylan. Although, I don't think the craze had started yet. I don't think he, like, I think you already liked him, but you didn't know how much you liked him yet. Now, you really like Bob Dylan. Um, so, the, the first record that, that I owned um, was Bob Dylan's record that has the, it's a gospel record, and uh, the, I think the most popular song on it was called Gotta Serve Somebody. And it was kind of a cool song. And Bob Dylan got a lot of flack for making this album because he kind of went away from his uh, long, winding cultural narratives and song to like being fairly direct about his faith. And um, so he wrote this song called, called Gotta Serve Somebody. And the, the chorus basically just said, it doesn't, like the song basically just said, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what, if you're rich or poor or what your job is or how special you are or not special you think you are or how talented you are. In the end, you're going to serve somebody and your life is going to choose whether you serve God or whether you serve, I think he phrases it as the devil, but, or whether you serve you know, yourself, whether you serve people. And the point of the song is just like, in the end, you're going to serve someone. Um, and actually, this is kind of a, a diversion from any real point. But John Lennon, who actually, I love the Beatles, but this is kind of a sad song. John Lennon actually res- uh, wrote a response song to Bob Dylan that's called Serve Yourself. And it's a very sarcastic, like really sad song, actually, uh, about you better serve yourself because no one else is going to do anything for you. And it's pretty pretty difficult. But I actually love the point that Bob Dylan is making in this song when he's just saying, no matter if you think that you're trying to serve someone or not, in the end, you're going to serve something. Um, and we all say that we want freedom. Like, it's kind of this, this, I mean, of course, even in America, like, freedom is like the thing, right? We all say we want freedom, but it's impossible for us to be free of everything. That's, that's not actually something that you can have. You simply choose what you will be bound to. You'll be bound to something. In fact, uh, Paul talks a fair amount about freedom, and at one point he comes to this conclusion in 1 Corinthians 6, 12. 
He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And I think that this is just like what we're going to dive into today is just this idea of freedom. What does it actually mean to be free? Um, and, and how do we get there? So I'm going to just stop and pray for one second and just ask God to, to open our hearts and really give us clarity on this. Lord, I just thank you that you desire to set us free. Your word says that who the Son sets free is free indeed. None of this false freedom, none of this, uh, these tricks that we play on ourselves to tell ourselves that we're free. God, teach us what true freedom is and allow us to follow you into it. Allow us to hear your Holy Spirit. Allow us to see where you're going and to go with you. Because we're not bound to anything. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I mean, I would say debatably, in our culture, the highest value is maybe freedom. I, that, might, that may or may not be true. I don't know if it's the number one highest value, but it's pretty up there. I mean, people, obviously in the, in the start of our country, then we would say people fought and died for our freedom at the foundation. And but this idea of freedom seems to me to get more and more obscured as time goes on. And uh, now we have like Instagram culture, you know? Instagram's f filled with influencers. And, and uh, they want to influence you on what will make you free, on what will give you true freedom and true happiness. And some of them will tell you that you need a, a flexible job. And they also hap happen to have a course that will teach you how to have a flexible job. Shocker. Um, some will tell you that you need to travel more. And that's probably because they make their living taking travel photos. And some will tell you that they're going to tell you the, the easiest way to get fit and like the simplest diet plan to follow. And guess what? They have a diet plan to sell you also. Who would have guessed? And a lot of times in our culture... We imagine that freedom is having a lot of money so that we don't have to work, but we can do whatever we want to do. But in reality, freedom is more, more so not being mastered by money, whether you have a lot or little. See, a lot of these ideas that we have of what freedom is or that our culture wants to push on us of, of what freedom is are not freedom at all. They're actually just... Even if they rid you of one thing, you're trading it to be bound by something else. And currently in culture, people are constantly screaming to have their freedoms respected, right? But what they want won't actually leave them free. Because what they're saying is, whatever I want to do is in me. And if that desire is in me, then it must be natural or else it wouldn't be there. And if it's natural, then it must be right. And if I'm not true to my desires, then I won't be me and I can't be happy. These are kind of like the, the underlying messages of our culture right now. And the problem with this line of thinking is that it makes you a slave. It makes you a slave to your own desires and your own emotions 
no matter where the source of those desires may be found. Like, whatever's in me, I'm going to be a slave to that. And so a lot of times we spend our life, when we think about freedom, we spend our life trying to find freedom from all these external things and all these things that happen to, happen to us or have happened to us. But the truth is that often the biggest place that we're a slave is internally. The biggest person we're a slave to is often ourself and our own emotions and our own desires. And so I want to submit to you this morning that, that true freedom is being unbound by your own selfish desires and unbound by the world's ways so that you can live in complete openness to whatever, to hear the Father and to do His will. Complete openness to both hear Him and then to act accordingly. I'm going to scoot back because I think if I scoot back, I can see everyone more without having to do the circle. Yeah, the sprinkler. That's, that's a good name for it. <clears throat> so true freedom is not being completely unrestricted in service to our own self-defined will and ego. That is not freedom. It, it feels like freedom maybe at the beginning, or we think it's freedom. But all it does is leave you bound in a new way that's hard to escape because you haven't mastered yourself at all. And so what we need in reality is to clear out all the blockages that keep us from being aware of where the Holy Spirit is leading us. Y'all with me? So I remember in high school, this is like a silly illustration of this possibly, but I remember in high school, um, there were times in my life where I had like little OCD ticks. Like I never like had some full-on OCD thing, but I don't know if any of you ever have ever had something like this, but like I would count to seven a lot, okay? I don't know why I picked the number seven. It was like my number in sports as a kid, um, and I loved the number seven. I mean, maybe that's like a holy thing. Maybe I was being godly because seven's God's number or whatever, but I don't think so. I just, for some reason, liked the number seven. And so I would often find myself counting to seven, and I would do it in all kinds of ways. Like if I was walking, you know how everyone's playing like, uh, you know, don't step on the crackle or break your mother's back or whatever? Like, I'm more like counting my steps to seven repeatedly. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four. And no one ever knew that I was doing this, but like I would just do all kinds of things that would count to seven. I have no idea why. And it was just an impulse. Like I would tap, I would tap on like, um, you know how like you would like make beats on the table and whatever with like pens and whatever? I would often do it in sevens, which is a weird number musically to count to. Or like I had like patterns I would play with my fingers and I, would, I got in a habit of where it would be like one, two, three, four, five. So I'd go through all my fingers and then I would repeat these two. So that'd be six, seven. So I'd be like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six. And I got where I could do it really fast too, like just like super fast. So one day I was like, why do I do this? Like, this is seriously, like, weird, you know? Like, why, why am I counting seven all the time? And I realized, like, it was just this random internal impulse. And I, one day I just decided, you know what? I am not freaking counting to seven. Like, no matter what I do, I will count to other numbers. I'm not counting to seven. And so 
yeah, eight's a great number, you know? Six is fine. Um, and so, like, one day I just stopped counting to seven. And it was like this thing, like, I know this sounds ridiculous, but, like, in my mind I was like, I'm not doing this. And, like, a couple times I think I kind of started doing it again, and then I would realize, like, oh, I've gone back to this. Why do I do this? And to me, it was just this thing of, like, there's nothing wrong with counting to seven, right? But I realized that for whatever stupid reason, counting to seven had mastered me. Like, like counting to seven was stronger than my own will to, to not count to seven. And so I was like, this can't be healthy. Like, there can't be anything healthy about having impulse that you, like, just follow anytime it happens. And so I just decided, you know what? I'm not following this impulse anymore because I don't want anything to control me. And so I stopped counting to seven. And there's like not a big ending to that story. It's just, I realized that there was something that had control over me that I didn't know why, and that I just blindly obeyed. And I think that that's like a silly example of what we do a lot, which is that we, we blindly obey whatever our, our just whatever desires in us, we just do it, or we just want to do it. And we feel like if we have, the, if we can just do whatever we want and have the flexibility to do whatever we want, then we've made it to freedom. And what I'm saying is, that is a complete lie. It ends up binding you. It ends up controlling you. And all of a sudden, you're counting to seven over and over for no reason. Um, and I think this is one point of spiritual disciplines even, like if you take fasting, for example, like it exercises your God-given ability to not be controlled by things, right? Like it exercises your God's ability, your God-given ability to, like when you get hungry, to not eat. And there's something really healthy about really wanting to do something and then not allowing yourself to do it. Y'all with me? So, we must learn to recognize what the Holy Spirit is doing and be unencumbered enough to follow, right? We have to be unencumbered enough to hear and we have to be unencumbered enough to follow because if we have all these things inside ourselves, all these inner um, things that control us and push us one way or the other, then often those become louder than what is God saying and we don't pay attention or they become something like, oh God, I know you said you want me to do this, but actually all these things right here in my life have to get done. Like, you know, God, they have to get done. And like, they end up, keep, those things end up having to be done for the years and years and years. And we continually put off what God's doing because something inside us says, I have to do that. So what I like to do, um, I want to give you a few more thoughts, but what I like to do is stop for one minute right now and just have a moment of silence I want to give you a chance to just like open up to God right now and to repent for not listening and for not paying attention to what God is doing because we have our, our own things going on. So I just want to stop. We're going to take one, max two minutes. We're going to be quiet. I'm just going to allow you to just, to just repent, to just come to God and say, God, I'm sorry for um, having my own things that I cared about more than your things and allowing them to bind me up and control me. And so God, will you speak to me today? That's all I want you to ask. God, please forgive us and speak to us now.
All right, so I'm not telling you anything that you haven't heard before. I realize that. You know that we should be free. Like, if you're new to church, maybe that's some, not something you've heard a lot. But if you've like lived, your, lived for years in church, then you've heard people talk about freedom in, in all different ways. You've heard people talk about freedom. But as Christians, what we often do is we often do realize that we're controlled by something and we try to escape, but we often try to escape in our own way. And sometimes this can be really unhealthy as well. Like it, of, it often looks like not living in the tension of things as Jordan so often has preached about of like acknowledging the different truths and finding a way to live within them. But my point is, a lot of times we get to this point of realizing, yes, I'm not totally free and I know it. And here's the way I'm going to go about it. And a lot of times we pick unhealthy ways of going about it. And um, so for the last several months, I've been working on a spiritual direction program that we're going to have through the church in the upcoming months. And so as I was writing that and as I was like going through it um, and taking other people through it, I felt like that at some point in there, God started talking to me about these unhealthy ways that people try to find freedom and how they don't work and how they become really uh, unhealthy. And like really the picture I have in my mind is that they become quicksand. Like it it feels like you're going to, feels like you're going to make ground and you're trying to go in the right direction, but your feet just keep moving in place and you just kind of keep sinking and eventually it gets really exhausting and and depressing even because you're trying to go in the right direction but you're not moving um i'm gonna go through i'm gonna go through like four of these that that i felt like god really highlighted to me then Uh, i'm just gonna encourage you that like probably not all of them will apply to you um you you will likely find yourself you know, having one of these that sticks out to you. And so I would encourage you, if you have one of these things that really like the Holy Spirit speaks to you and, and it really jumps out to you, then hold on to that one thing and, and we're going to pray into that. And I actually just believe that God's power is going to be here today to actually like begin to break off some of these ideas that we've lived in and some of these ways of quicksand that we've been stuck in. So number one, people often try to find freedom Uh, by escaping our religious beginnings. And I've watched a lot of people do this, especially in in the recent past. Um, This whole, like, deconstruction movement has become such a big thing. Um, But here's what happens. Like, if you're honest with yourself, then at some point in your faith journey, you'll usually end up with a lot of hard-to-answer questions that bother you in some way. It's, It's really difficult if you, especially if you're like a thinker, I'm a thinker, I think like nonstop, and my wife will attest to that, and I'm sorry often. Um, but if, if you think a lot about your faith, then at some point you come up with like a problem of what you believe, and like, I don't think this can be right, and then you feel like you have to solve it, and at some point it can get really bothersome, which has led to this whole movement. And one common response is to try and escape all of it honestly. That's a really common response. Like, if the faith that was handed to me is tainted, then I don't want any part of it, right? And people 
make as much space between themselves and their beginnings as they can. Sometimes that means that they like leave church entirely and say like, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. Sometimes that just means that like, you know, you grew up in, like, I grew up in the Assembly of God Church. Sometimes that just means that whenever you think of the Assembly of God Church, for example, you think like, oh, there were, that was all messed up. There were all these things that were taught to me that I, that I, or were, I thought were wrong, right? And it can really like um, begin to eat at you wherever that is for you wherever your religious beginnings were. Maybe it was the way your parents handled faith. Maybe it was the church or denomination you grew up in. Um, but what happens is we just, we just start rejecting like a lot more of it. Like, like oh, this was a problem and this was a problem. You know what? Let's just, I don't even want to deal with all that. And so we just start getting rid of a lot of it. And what this is really, it's like a, a, a faulty like victim mentality. It's like someone screwed me up a little bit, and so it's, it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like, the process of being human is not intended to be simple or painless. And we often want it to be simple, and we often want it to be painless. And when we try to make church or God and, like, his way of life simple or painless, we we actually are like running into the opposite of God's way of life. Like God told us it wasn't going to be the easiest thing. Instead, we're invited to walk into brokenness and walk into pain and to let it be redeemed. This is God's whole point. It's not to erase that you had pain. It's not to erase that you had difficulty. It's not to erase that someone told you theology that you found to be false. The point of God's the point of the gospel is to come into what is messed up and distorted and to redeem it. And so th this problem is, like I said, it's why the deconstruction movement has become so such a popular train of thought. And here's the deal. This whole, like the idea at its core, it can be healthy. Like it can be a healthy thought. I just don't see that many people going through it in a very healthy way. Um, I remember... Uh, listening to Chris Green specifically, and he said, instead, instead of deconstruction being a losing of your faith, what it should be is a loosing of how tightly you hold your own ideas. Now that's healthy. Not losing your faith, not saying, oh, I have questions, so I'm going to walk away from this relationship, or I'm going to put distance between myself and these people who, who hurt me or brought up a, a hurtful idea in my life. But instead, it's saying, I'm going to loose how tightly I hold my own ideas and realize that all of that was imperfect. But like, I'm not going to just hold on to that brokenness and the pain. I'm going to let go. You will never, ever escape your past by being offended by it or, or by thinking your way through it. It's not going to happen. Instead, we can ask God questions. And this is honestly one of my biggest points today. It's really, today is, if I could tell you to do one thing about what I'm talking about today, I would just tell you, ask God questions. It's the biggest problem that I recognize in my own life is that I often try to solve things or go through things without ever asking God what he thinks. And I either screw it up or at least waste a lot of time because I could have just asked God 
And instead, I let things like take up a lot of my mental space, a lot of my like internal space. They just clutter me up. And instead, I could just like let them go and ask God what he thinks. So you're not going to escape the past by being offended. You're not going to escape the past by like logicking your way through all the problems that you've had to deal with. But we can ask God, what things are there from my past that I can stand on? Okay? There's probably something in your past that's good. And a lot of times we lose sight of the good things because sometimes they're messy things. And so what we need to do is ask God a simple question. What can I stand on from my past? There are core truths that are mixed in with faulty beliefs. And those, those core truths, those are the place to start. So I'm just encouraging you, like, yes, you may need to let God redeem some ideas, but you also need to let him heal the unforgiveness and clear out the hindrances uh, to your being open to hear him. Because a lot of times these things from our past, they cloud us up, and then what happens is we stop listening. And now we're stuck, and we don't know where our way out, and we have no way to hear it because we're not listening anymore. You don't need to have everything completely right. You do need to be open enough to hear what God is saying. So true freedom, just to recap this point, I'm going to move to the next one. True freedom is not to escape where you started. True freedom is not to be mastered by bitterness and doubt. It's to let God bring redemption to where you started. And I want to apply the same thing to like events from our past because it's not all about the church we grew up in. It's not all about how faith was distorted. Sometimes life just sucks too. Like sometimes things are messy. It was, uh, it was like a really strong uh, revelation to me whenever um, when I heard Jordan Peterson tell that guy. Um, there was a guy who said like, I'm really, really depressed. I need to talk to you. Help me figure out why I'm so depressed. And I think you may have even quoted this before, but it was such a cool story. He said, like, he told the guy, he's like, hey, man, you're not depressed. The guy's like, what do you mean? I'm super depressed. He's like, no, you've had an awful life. And, like, that doesn't sound like the most encouraging statement, but, like, what he's trying to tell the guy is there's nothing wrong with you. You just had a terrible life, and you don't know what to do with it. Like, you're not depressed. You know, and I think that like was a big weight lifted for that guy. Um, but it's the ways that we have hurt people and the ways that we have been hurt. Those can really like grab hold of us and not let us go. The ways that we have found darkness and pain in the people and the places that were supposed to be safe. That can rip you apart. And. If you don't let God redeem it, then it can cloud you so much that you can't move forward. But God didn't come, like, I'm, I've probably reiterated this point in my last, like, five sermons. So you guys are just going to have to get used to it. God did not come to destroy the old world and start a new one. The promise from the rainbow after the flood all the way to New Jerusalem is a redemption of all things. And so all the painful moments that you've gone through, all the places 
that were supposed to be safe and then you found out weren't. God wants to redeem them, not destroy them. And while we're trying to escape the difficulties of being human, God does the exact opposite. God, he becomes human. He's born into pain. He's born into difficulty so that he can experience what you experience. God doesn't run away from pain. He goes straight into it. If we try to escape our past, we will always fail and we'll always be stuck in the quicksand of memories and hurt. It's just a cycle. Many of you have felt it before. We have to embrace the ugliness and we have to let God redeem what we are unable to redeem. Because we in our minds cannot ever redeem these things, right? They're always going to be always going to be bad. They're always going to be painful. But God is able to redeem. And this process, even the process of going to God and saying, God, I want to talk to you about this. This was terrible. You know, we see David do it all the time in the Psalms. I want to complain to you about this. You know what that does? It gives God an opportunity to speak and be heard. So if that's what you have right now, like if what you have is your past and it feels like a mess, then like bring it to God and then let God be heard. Let God speak and find out that first step to take from where you're, from where you're at now. Our own thoughts and desires run from pain and we hold on tightly like to our rights. I remember hearing the first time I heard Dan Moeller talk about holding on to your rights a long time ago. It like blew me away. Because we hold on to our right to stay hurt, to stay offended at people, because we deserve to be able to stay offended. They did something terrible. We hold on to the mistakes that we've made, and we hold on to the shame that came with it. I screwed up. Not only did someone hurt me, but like I really screwed up, and I really messed that person's life up. And we hold on to the shame of it. But typically what we do with that is like run away with it. We don't deal with it. We just hold on to it and it clouds us and it makes us unable to see clearly and we just keep running from the past. And what that does is it robs the beauty of the gospel because the gospel is that God's going to take all those moments and he's going to redeem them and make them part of your story of beauty. True freedom is not being mastered by your past. It's letting God redeem it and asking him how to move forward. All right, I'm going to talk about another thing that I've seen people do quite a bit. We try to get freedom from the rigidity of Christian law. Um, sometimes things start as a good thing and end as a bad thing. Okay, let me just say this, especially like within church, like even like, you know, I think the fact of how segregated the church is and and into all our little denominations that we don't necessarily like each other that much. Like, it's really unhealthy. But most denominations started from something good happening, okay? I'm just giving an example. Like, if we want to talk about kind of like the, the Pentecostal movement. Like, it started because they had read about the moving of the Holy Spirit. They were like, we really want that. That sounds really awesome. So they pursued the moving of the Holy Spirit. But then at some point it became denominations centered around if you speak in tongues, you're cool. And if you don't, you're out. You know, like, like these things can get really like distorted and something good becomes 
really bad or really unhealthy. And so in the past years, there's been a whole lot of a grace message. And I love grace. Please don't take me wrong. Grace is absolutely good. And a lot of it has come to, like I've seen people do this thing where they're like, I'm living in grace. I'm not bound by the law. And then what happens is they take that belief as an opportunity to live a life that's not very holy or righteous. And I think that I did that to, to some degree along the way. And maybe many of you have done it in, in bits. Even if you didn't like say like, I'm going to go do whatever I want. Maybe you let go of your holiness to the point that then like the Holy Spirit later had to come back and correct you or needs, still needs to come back and correct you. Um, I probably have some of that. Let's be honest. Um, so this, this is, I've seen a strong swing away from holiness in the past few years, but that's not to say that we should live bound by the law because yes, we are a new creation in Christ, but we sometimes try to reject living according to the law and we use this as an excuse for what? For selfish freedom. Okay? Like if, you're for, if your freedom is selfish, it's not actually freedom. If your freedom is selfish, it means that you are a slave to your own desires. Modern freedom is pretty much like agrees with that belief and that feeling. And it is hard for us. Don't be deceived. It's hard for us to live in a culture and listen to all the voices and not somehow like be um, coerced by these thoughts. Modern freedom is often viewed as being completely unrestricted to be yourself. And I'm cool with you being yourself, but we have fooled ourselves and we've become a slave to whatever we selfishly desire. Like, that's not the gospel. The gospel is all of us. We are, we are individuals, but we also make up a body and we make up a whole and we pick up where, where each other lack. And so this modern idea of freedom, of being completely unrestricted to do whatever your desire is, is complete nonsense. And grace did not come to give you permission to just live by whatever whim or fancy is in your mind one day. It came so that you could be free and unencumbered by all the things in your life that would try to take a hold of you, all the things inside of you that would try to own you, so that you could listen to God and walk in freedom. I think that's all I'm going to say about that. True freedom looks like complete openness to hear the Father and do his will. It's not to do what you want. I once heard it said that we need freedom from fantasy bound in the realism of compassion. And that statement stuck with me. I don't even remember who said it. But he said, we need freedom from fantasy bound in the realism of compassion. And I was like, man, like that really hit me because I thought, First of all, we need freedom from fantasy. Like, I'm a person who, I'm always trying to do something in life. I'm always trying to accomplish things in life. If you know me, I do way too many things. And I'm always, like, pushing and pushing and trying to go somewhere. And um, somewhere along the way, I, re I realized that what I typically ended up doing was creating a version of myself that was so awesome that I wanted to become 
um, or an identity that I wanted to have, and then I worshipped that identity. Um, it was a, quote, better version of me, but what it really was was an idol. And true freedom is not creating some version of yourself and then trying to become it. It's taking off all the junk and all the requirements that you think <laughs> you think are good for you, but that are actually in your way of just listening to God, doing what he says, following the Holy Spirit. The last one that I really felt like God highlighted to me for today um, was that we seek freedom from the pain of unfulfilled promises from God. And man, I've seen this really just beat some people up. Like some really cool, like God followers who just have gotten absolutely just obliterated by this. I will say it again. We seek freedom from the pain of unfulfilled promises from God. I think this really comes in, in two ways that are sort of opposites. Way number one is that God speaks a promise to us and we hear him correctly and then we take it upon ourselves to make that promise happen. And we don't wait and we don't trust God to fulfill the promise. But if it doesn't happen quickly enough and it doesn't happen when we push for it because we heard God say it, then a lot of times we throw a fit. I've seen a lot of people throw a fit. People like completely abandon the lifestyle that God was calling them to because, they, because he told them something and it didn't happen when or how they thought it should. And so like instead of continuing that conversation with God, they throw a fit and they, they you know, at least near quit. The other way that I've seen this happen a lot is that we have such a high view of our own hearing of God. Like we have such a high view of our own ability to hear God. Sometimes this can be really dangerous. It's good to know, like it's good to know, like God says that his, he says, my sheep hear my voice. It's good to know that you hear God, but it's dangerous when your view of your own hearing becomes too high. We have such a high view of that, or we have such a high view of someone's prophecy over us that we stop asking God about it and we cling to it and we never consider that we might have missed it or we might have twisted it the first time that we heard it. And let me tell you something. Sometimes you can think God told you something and you might have been wrong. Even if you're someone who like hears from God a lot. Like there's a reason in the scripture that it says one prophet should speak and the other should test what that one prophet says. It's because the prophets sometimes got it wrong. And so you, no matter how spiritual you are, um, you might have not heard God correctly or you might have kind of like sort of heard him correctly and twisted it and he might have meant something that wasn't what you thought he meant. And the problem is that you hear this one word and you write it down in your journal and even if you're really super spiritual, every day you go to your journal and you say, I'm claiming the promises that God gave me just like that evangelist told me to do every day whenever I was four. Maybe not four. That's pretty young. Anyway, go with me. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't lean on the promises that you feel like God has given you. But I'm saying you should continue the conversation. Like, we don't do this with other people, but we do with God. Like, we don't talk, to, like, we don't have open enough lines of communication with God. So we're like, 
I haven't talked to God in a couple of years, but the only one thing I know he said is that I'm supposed to move to Africa. And then when our plans to move to Africa go completely awry, then all of our faith is just obliterated, right? Either way, either way, whether God spoke it and it hasn't happened yet, or whether you were wrong, you need to approach God's promises to you in trust and in relationship, not seeking to fulfill them on your own. Freedom is not doubting God's goodness because we are disappointed. Freedom is also not forcing God's prophetic words to happen in our life. True freedom is constantly asking God questions. This allows him to constantly clarify what he said in the past and how we're supposed to respond now. Right? Like, we, we tend to live in the past or in the future. What did God say? Right? What does God have for me? What great thing am I going to do for God? These are not awful questions. The problem is that it robs you of living in the present and asking God right now, God, can you confirm what you said? And also, what should I do right now? True freedom is constantly asking God questions. Um, I remember listening to Henry Nouwen maybe, I don't know, maybe six months ago, and he was talking about the idea of contemplative prayer. I've read quite a bit on contemplative prayer, but he made a statement about it that was like, I don't know. It, it resonated with me because I have felt this very thing. He said, um, I'm trying to remember how he approached it. He, he basically said that like when people come and they, they think of contemplative prayer, they think that what it's supposed to be like is that you sit and you're calm and there's this great peace and you have clarity about everything. He said, in reality, I've never, like that's not a very common experience of contemplative prayer. He said, what it normally feels like is that I'm a banana tree and I sit still and God just shakes the banana tree and sees what's going to fall out of it. And I was like, yeah, that feels right. That feels fair. I've, I've had a lot of times where I've sat with God and I'm like, I sit and I'm like trying to fight away all the like random thoughts, all the squirrel thoughts that come up, you know. And um, I was watching Doug Days yesterday. The, it's like a little offshoot cartoon from Up. It's pretty funny. Um, but um, we're constantly just following these other thoughts. We're trying to be quiet. We're trying to have peace. And like God's like, hey, what about this one thing that you need to deal with? And like it can, it can become very uncomfortable. So like when someone tells you, hey, go have contemplative prayer, I want to like release you from the thought of thinking that all you're going to do is just be at peace. Actually, what's going to happen is God's going to shake your banana tree. And it's, it's going to be a little bit bothersome. And, and God's going to start pulling things out that keep you from freedom. And he's going to start pointing you toward things like, oh, you know what? This is attached to you and I'm going to have to rip it off and it's going to hurt some. But like when, you, when it's gone, you're going to be able to hear me more clearly and you're going to be able to follow me more confidently. So let's let God shake the banana tree. True freedom is to follow God in every leading constantly being aware of the movement of the Holy Spirit. That's what freedom is. 
Not bogged down by the past. Not bogged down by our thoughts about the future. Constantly aware of, God, what are you doing right now? And I'm constantly learning that freedom is not building the life that I want. I've spent a lot of years trying to build the life that I want. Sometimes not very successfully, and sometimes, sometimes I've been pretty good at it. Like, sometimes I'm like, you know, I had, I've had years of working in real estate where like, I'm like, ha everyone's at work, I'm paddleboarding on the lake, suckers, you know. Um, but like, in the end, <laughs> in the end, like, it still can leave you empty, and it still can leave you wanting and bound by all these things that control you that you can't seem to shake because they're in you. Freedom is not maximizing enjoyment. It's not being without problems. Freedom is letting God pull off all the weights that encumber you. Freedom is letting go of our selfish desires that we think will make us happy. And freedom is giving God control and constantly trying to listen and obey and follow the Holy Spirit. It's that simple.